You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 216. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki. And to kick off this episode, uh, I want to share a little bit of um, a little bit of a backstory as to how I came into coaching and uh, that evolution that I that I had that I think every coach to some extent has I think and I think honestly, any person who is doing anything you learn and grow and get better over time, right? That's why practice and time is so important is because we are constantly growing and evolving and getting better at things. So when I first started coaching, I started coaching back in 2016. Uh, My coaching looked very, very different from the way that it does now. And, you know, a lot of that was, was trial and error of figuring out what worked and what didn't work. Um, But one of the things that I learned very quickly on as I started taking clients and coaching clients was that the, the, um, well, let me just say that I could give two clients completely similar structures, completely similar programs, macros, workouts, and clients would get vastly different results. And, And you may say, well, of course, like you can't give the same macros to every person or the same workouts to every person they're not going to get the same results. Yes, you would be right. But what I am saying is that more times than not, the difference in the results clients were getting had had nothing to do with the actual programming, had nothing to do with the actual instruction or the, you know, information that I was giving a client. Rather, it had to do with the application. It had to do with whether that client actually executed on the plan. And if I'm being honest, that wasn't something that I was really prepared for. In my mind, it seems like, well, of course, when you're hiring a coach and you're paying said coach, you're probably going to do what they, what they tell you to do. And I think a lot of people think that way. And, and for some people that is it, it, you know, there is something that changes when it comes to putting your money where your mouth is and paying somebody. And that creates an incentive to actually execute. But even so there were plenty of people who would pay money and still would fall off the wagon and wouldn't do uh, the plan. They wouldn't follow through. They would say, hey, I'm going to do this this weekend, and then they wouldn't do it. And there's and, and first of all, let me say, there's nothing shameful about that. <laughs> In fact, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, that's me, there are more of you out there than I think sometimes we even talk about. And I think sometimes it can feel very shameful, like, oh, I'm the only person who struggles. I'm the only person who's paid for something and didn't follow through. No friend you are not the only person who's paid for something and not followed through. I I would actually say, I think that is more of the majority of people than the other way around. So you're in good hands. You are in good company. There's a lot of us that are out there, myself included. I for sure have paid for things and not executed on them. But I got really curious as to why that was. Why 
I could, or, and why that was and how I as a coach could help a client to overcome that. Because I realized if I could learn how to get a client to take action, if I could learn how to help clients to integrate what they were learning into their actual actions, I could help to get clients better results. And so I realized that when, when I first got started with coaching, I thought a lot of my role and responsibility was about accountability. I thought people were essentially paying for accountability, right? That idea of like, when you pay, you pay attention. And so I felt like, you know, people, they need this accountability. They're paying for the accountability. So my job as a coach is to hold them accountable. It's to text them, you know, over the weekend. It is to check in with them. It is to, you know, have that back and forth and make sure that they know like they're setting a plan and then they're going to check back in with me. And that extra incentive that it, that it, stimulates into some of us to when we know we have to check in with someone, we make different choices. And while that can be a part of coaching, I realized very quickly that if I was just providing accountability for my clients, they weren't building that accountability for themselves. And even if that motivated them to take different actions while they were working with me, it didn't motivate different actions down the road and, and long-term results. And so I learned very quickly that I, you know, accountability wasn't wasn't the highest level that I could be coaching at. And so then, you know, I, uh, I, this kind of like going through the evolution of, of what coaching meant to me, you know, I, I thought, Hey, maybe my, maybe my role is really as a cheerleader. Maybe my role is just to like rah, rah, hype somebody up. Everyone loves a good hype girl, right? I I love a good hype girl. I love a friend who's going to like hype me up and talk me up and tell me how good I am and, and, you know, cheer for me when I do amazing things. That feels really good. So I thought, well, maybe that's, that's my role as a coach is to like, you know, provide that accountability, be that hype girl. And, uh, I realized that again, like accountability that never, while that feels good in the moment, it didn't provide long-term transformation. One of the roles um, that I find that I do really well with is teaching. It's something I've always really loved. I TA'd throughout college. I love teaching. And there's a lot of benefit in to people, you know, especially with like macro counting, there's like a lot of teaching and education component. But I also learned that no matter how good of a teacher I was, just because someone intellectually knew something didn't mean that they acted on it. And so I found that you know, even with my amazing teaching skills and my ability to help people to comprehend, you know, more complex subjects, that it didn't always change their behavior. And that is because we all know on some level that knowledge in and of itself, just by itself, doesn't always change behavior. We all know that we should probably be getting more sleep. And yet do we do it? (laughs) We all know that we, you know, probably should cut certain things out that we're eating or drinking. Doesn't mean we do it, right? So knowledge doesn't always lead to behavior changes. And then I felt like as I progress, you know, I had these realizations. Okay, my my highest role is not necessarily as a providing accountability or I guess not only providing accountability or only being a cheerleader or only being a teacher. But then it also isn't only being an advice giver. And this is a pattern that I fell into a lot early on in my coaching was thinking that people were hiring me for my advice. Because I, 
I understood the process. I knew things. I had a deeper understanding and knowledge of things. And so people were hiring me to be able to have access to my brain, to be able to ask me questions and like have me tell them my opinion or have them, me tell them what they should do next. And I spent a lot of time here in coaching. And I think a lot of new coaches do where we learn all this information. We learn all this stuff about nutrition and workouts and we feel very well versed in um, telling clients what to do. And honestly, if I'm being really honest, it's what most people think that they want as well, which makes this tricky because most people think that they want to just be told what to do. Just, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it, Amber. I promise. <laughs> but the problem is, is, as much as you think that that's the case, self-sabotage weirds this ugly head. And, and like I said before, just because you know something, just some, because someone tells you something, just because you're paying that someone doesn't actually mean that you're going to execute it. And so I saw this over and over again is that, um, when I looked at coaching as, as advice giving, as somebody paying me for, for my knowledge, um, it, it, it didn't provide them the long-term results that they were seeking. And that was because if I was the guru, if I was the one who had all of the knowledge, then, you know, they had access to that for six, eight, 12 weeks, but then that was taken away you know, their, their coaching period time would end at some point. And when they lacked access to the guru, they didn't know how to find the answers themselves. And I found this all the time when I was coaching, uh, and we would be coming on the end of the six or 12 or whatever package that they had purchased. And I would say, Hey, well, you know, what questions do you have? And the person would be like, I, I don't know, because I don't know what questions I'm going to have in a month or three months or seven months or a year from, like, I don't know what questions I'm going to have. I feel like I have all my questions answered right now, where I'm at right now in my journey, but I have zero idea of the questions that I'm going to have in six months from now. And that always stuck with me because I was a type of coach that I didn't want my clients just to get results in the moment, but I wanted to get them to get long-term results. And so as I heard people saying that, I... I had this realization that by telling people what to do, by just giving advice, that I was actually harming my clients long-term. They liked it in the moment. They liked it that they could come to me, ask me a question, and I would tell them what to do. They liked it in the moment, but it was in the long-term actually hurting them. It's, it's kind of like how my kids, you know how your kids like try to trick you into doing their homework for them? They... <laughs> My son will do this all the time. He'll say, he'll like, give me the pencil. And, you know, he's kind of like trying to coax me into like actually doing his homework for him. And in the short run, he might really like that if I sat down and did his math homework for him. In fact, he probably would like that. He'd like that a lot. But as a parent, I know that by doing that, maybe that homework assignment becomes really easy for him. But if he doesn't actually ever learn how to do it himself, in the long run, it's going to be a lot harder for him. And that's what I felt like I was doing with my clients is I was like giving them what they wanted in the moment while sacrificing what they needed in the long run. And so over time, and with lots of coaching myself and lots of trial and error with clients and learning a lot about the science and the art of coaching, I stumbled onto what I like to call um, and what I have termed transformational coaching. And transformational coaching is a little bit of all of those. I think there's some accountability in it. I think there's some cheerleading, there's some teaching, maybe even there's some advice giving. But on the core level, transformational coaching really comes from getting on the deeper level of figuring out what's, what's keeping a client stuck and helping them to shift it and helping them learn how to shift it. So 
it's not me doing the shifting. It's helping to empower them to learn how to do the shifting themselves so that in the long run, they can be very successful on their own. And so with transformational coaching, one of the keys that I use a lot in my coaching is questions, questions that are able to uncover, are able to dig deep, are able to guide, are able to help um, a client to be able to get better results. You may have heard me say the quote, and I think it was a Tony Robbins quote uh, that said, "The the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. And a lot of times we are asking ourselves terrible questions and then wondering why we aren't getting good results. And when we can up-level the quality of our questions, we start to get better answers and we start to take better action and move forward in our journey. And so as I, as I had this realization and I started being able to, you know, bring coaches on into Macros 101 and, and into my, into my sphere to coach for me, I realized, Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta kind of codify how I teach, how I coach, um, the diff, the way that I'm getting clients results. I have to make this into something that's replicatable, that I can teach people how to do this. And so I, you know, first coaching Academy started as an internal project. It started just realizing, Hey, in order to continue to, to grow and to continue to expand my business, I need to be able to teach other coaches how to coach the way that I do. I need to learn how to like replicate myself because I can only coach so many people at one time. And so if I can teach other people to do it the same way that I do it, then we can like multiply myself and multiply the people that we can serve. And so I, you know, learned how and, and started developing a curriculum and a process and a way to teach um, my coaches how to coach like I do. And it was really successful. And I, you know, I say that like, I'm surprised, but like, you know, on some level it is, you, you don't know, Hey, is this something that I just naturally do? Or is this something that's teachable? Can I teach this to other people? And there are some things that we all do that are just like come super easy to us. And, you know, you just have talent for them. They're not actually something you can teach somebody, but I learned very quickly by doing this, that, uh, coaching is a skill. It's not just something that I was like randomly born with. It's something, it's a skill that I developed and I got really good at teaching other people how to do it. And so then that, that started to formulate in my mind, this idea of, well, if I can teach my internal coaches how to coach like me, what if I could teach other people how to coach and how to come from a transformational coaching level, how to, to get down to the real root of what is keeping somebody stuck, not, not staying in advice, giving, not just cheerleading, not just, you know, teaching people or providing accountability, but actually creating transformation from the inside out. And so that's exactly where Bicep Their Babies Coaching Academy came from, was wanting to help more coaches to coach from a deeper level. Because I think there's a lot of coaches out there who have such good hearts. You know, that was me for a long time. It was like, I had such a good heart. I just wanted to help people. And I thought that was through teaching and advice giving and accountability and, you know, cheerleading. I thought that was the way that I was going to be able to be a good coach. And I realized that, that while my heart was good, that I was actually not helping my clients long-term. And so I think there's a lot of coaches out there that are very similar, that they want, they want to provide that they want to help. They want to coach. They want to create transformation from the inside out because they want to create long-term results in their clients. They just don't know how. And of course you don't know how, who's teaching you this. (laughs) Most of the nutrition certifications are teaching you about the science of nutrition, the science of weight loss, the science of lifting, the science of all these things, which is really important, but it can't be the end. 
because coaching is not just a science. Coaching is a science and an art, and it's a blend of both. And so that's when I created Biceps After Babies Coaching Academy, where I help teach coaches how to get to the bottom of things, how to to dig deep with their questions and helping a client to discover what's really keeping them stuck and then how to shift out of it. And that's what you're going to hear today on the podcast. So on the podcast, I am bringing a, a live coaching session that I did inside of our Macros 101 round that's happening right now. And I had a conversation with Laura inside of Macros 101, and I thought it would be such a good coaching conversation to bring and put on the podcast. One, because it's a really pertinent topic. It is this topic of, um, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing the things. Uh, in her case, she talks a lot about buffering with food and you know, bringing up this idea of self-sabotage and working through you know, why, why she's doing this, why it's important to her. But as we dig deeper into it, you'll start to notice that things come up other than the question that she initially asked. So as we listen to this conversation, some things I want you to notice. The first thing is the initial question that Laura asks. And I want you to notice that the question that Laura asks is is not where we end up at the end of the conversation. And this is what I mean by the difference between giving advice and and finding what really is going on. Because had she just asked me this question and I just spouted out what I knew about buffering and, you know, the the process of like moving through buffering, if I just answered the direct question that she gave me, we would have never uncovered all the things that I uncovered through this coaching conversation. So that's the first thing I want you to notice. Where we started is not where we ended. And that's often what we'll find with really quality coaching is the question that's being asked is not actually the question. We got to figure out what the actual question, where that actually is coming from. And so you'll notice that in the coaching interaction. The second thing that I want you to pay attention to is that while I do some teaching in this conversation about like pay attention to how much of the session is listening to her talk and share and asking her questions. So the amount of time that I'm spent asking her questions rather than speaking to her and to, and to the group at large is, is, is a lot. It's a lot more about investigating and and asking questions to get deeper. And, and that is because the basis of good coaching is the ability to ask really good questions. In this coaching conversation, we talk about buffering. We talk about self-sabotage. We talk about um, developing and realizing what your big why is. Uh, We talk about comparison. We talk about training for different body types And we talk about this idea of feeling uh, insecure in your body and the way that you see your body versus the way that other people see your body. So I am so excited for uh, you to be able to listen to this coaching session with Laura. If you are interested in learning more about transformational coaching and specifically how, uh, how we start to learn how to ask better questions, how as a coach you can dive deeper and stay, you know, move from that surface level advice giving and um, cheerleading and move to a deeper transformational level of coaching, I have a free class that I will be hosting on May 31st. It's called Make Money, Change Lives, Become a Transformational Coach. And you can register for this class at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash become a coach. And so if you're interested, if you're already a coach or if you're 
if there's a part of you that would like to become a coach and you want to learn more about the transformational coaching style and um, start to, to learn the skill of, of transformational coaching, then I invite you to come to our class on May 31st. That's bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash become a coach. Now, without further ado, let's hop into that live coaching session with Laura. Hi, Hi Laura. What's up? How are you? I'm good. How can I help? All right. I hope I can articulate this. I'm uh, kind of nervous about my question. Okay. Um, but, and I really resonated a lot with what Nicole said, the very first person. Yeah. So a lot of that was kind of on the same lines, but um, I feel like I have not really gotten to the bottom of my why. And there was somebody on another coaching call that you said, um, you had need to have integrity with yourself. And I resonated with that, but I still feel like I'm not getting to the bottom of my why. Um, I have, I'm not, I'm trying to be better about um, my counting and keeping my records. But um, I started macro counting in January and mm -hmm. I've been in a cut, but I do a lot of buffering at night Mm -hmm. and just self-sabotage. So um, I resonated with, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a podcast or a call where one of the coaches were saying, you know, get to the bottom of, is it making you feel any better? Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not making me feel any better. So I feel like if I got to my, the heart of my why, then I could mm -hmm. maybe stop the self self-sabotage, but maybe I need deep counseling. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is, this is such a good thing because I find, I find this, um, this thought a lot and I, and I haven't been able to suss out if it's because it's the way I'm teaching it or if it's, it's just the way that our brains start to work when we're, when we're searching for a solution. Um, figuring out your why is, is a vital, important piece. It is not the silver bullet for self-sabotage. Okay. It is, it is one tool that we can utilize to help. But sometimes I find people placing such incredible importance on the why, as if it's like, once I discover the why, all of my buffering, all of my self-sabotage, all of my weekend troubles are just, they're just going to be healed because I'm going to have this beautiful why and it's just going to solve everything. And that's very, very rarely the case. And so I think I want to, for any of you guys who have felt that way of like, oh, obviously my why is not big enough because I'm still self-sabotaging, of releasing yourself a little bit from that and realizing that it's just, it's a tool. It's a valuable tool, but it's not the tool. Um, it works in conjunction with other things that we're doing to help you kind of get to the root of that, of that self-sabotage. So yes, I'm, we can totally work on um, helping you to feel like you have a solid why and that you're really confident with that. And you're like, it, it makes you feel something in your body. We can totally do that. But even if we get there, I just want you to give yourself some grace of recognizing, even if we get there, it doesn't mean everything's going to be, you're going to make every choice you're ever going to make is always going to be in alignment with said goals. I wish it was that easy. If I, if I had discovered that, that would be mad, <laughs> but, but it, it's not that, it's not that easy. So, um, so we can, I would like to work on what you think would be the most valuable to you. We can work on getting to the bottom of your why, um, or we can address the buffering, which do you think would be more valuable to you? Be the buffering. Cause I feel like okay. 
that I feel like if I could stop doing that, yeah, because then, then I would have the figure or what I would have what I wanted, you know? Okay. And maybe, and maybe that's a lie I'm telling myself. I don't know. Well, what do you want? You said, I will have what I want. What do you want? Well, I, and I feel very vain saying this. I've always been a fit, healthy person, Mm -hmm. but I so resonated with the last podcast you did about being fit and tone. I do a lot of working out, but I feel like I I should look completely different. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, am I working out smarter or am I just spinning my wheel? I enjoy working out. I enjoy Mm -hmm. exercising. I love just even walking. Um, But I, okay, I have to say this, even though I've listened to the podcast about my body will never look like somebody else's, but Mm -hmm. a very good friend of mine joined a gym and started doing macro counting and she looks amazing Mm -hmm. and so I feel like she's doing everything right Mm -hmm. and I'm not and so Mm -hmm. it's like what am I doing wrong Mm -hmm. so yeah um good good that anyway that's good that's good is it possible to do everything right and to get different results than somebody else To do everything right and have different results. Yes, Mm -hmm. I would say yes. Okay, cool. So maybe it's not a matter of you doing this wrong. Okay. It's maybe not a matter of you doing it wrong at all. It could be that you're both doing it right and you're simply getting different results. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And and we can look at the results that you're getting and we can make tweaks and we can, I'm going to work with you on that. But when we come from a place of like, I'm doing this wrong, how does that make you feel? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, no, it makes nobody feel makes great. Me, make, like, yeah, it makes me feel like I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then when we make decisions from that place, what kind of decisions do you make from the place of I'm not good enough? This isn't working. Like what kind of decisions happen from that place? Poor, poor decisions. Poor decisions. filled decisions. <laughs> exactly. And then what happens from the place of recognizing, maybe I'm not doing this wrong. Maybe I just, maybe I'm doing it just as right as she is. And we're just getting simply different results. Now, what are you present to? Um, I, I see a, like a step out of the hole that yeah. I'm in. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so then we can make new decisions from that place. And you can already see that you're going to make better decisions moving forward than in that place of shame. Okay. So, so that's the first thing. And for what it's worth, that is absolutely true. Two people can do the same thing and get vastly different results. Two people can do the right things and get vastly different results. Like that's how bodies work. Um, and it's why comparison can be so damaging and so dangerous. And I know we all know we're not supposed to compare and we all do compare, right? Like it's one of those things that just like, we all know we shouldn't do, but we do it anyway. And it helps to just be mindful of it, of like, you you can't compare an apple to an orange. Like they are different. <laughs> the apple's never going to look like the orange. The orange is never going to look like the apple. No matter how great of a tree the apple is on, it's like you can't change an apple to an orange. Okay. So we're going to work. And I'm, I'm not saying drop all your goals, Lori. You're never going to get there. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when we can come from a place of like less shame and less guilt, you're going to get so much further in your journey. Okay. You said that you wanted to look completely different. Those were the words you used. Can you illuminate completely different to me? What does that mean? 
Well, okay. I said completely different. I'm not sure if I technically mean completely different. Sure, that's okay. But you, there's a meaning behind that. Like, what did that actually mean? Um, I think this seems so vain, but I think when somebody looks at me, I want to look like I exercise or look like I look fit. And okay. this, I guess, because this friend of mine, again, I seem very vain saying all this, had this huge transformation. Yeah. I feel like for me to be fit and healthy, I need to have a huge transformation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm tall and exercise all the time and thin. So I think for me to have that huge transformation, I'm going to have to completely, I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but I I don't really think it's um, something that I, it's achievable. I think I have this goal that's probably not really going to happen. Yeah. Um, Okay. There's a couple of things that I want to, I want to hit on. The first one, you've said it a couple of times that it's vain. It's vain according to who? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do want to look good and healthy and fit. So I guess I just don't want to seem like completely superficial and um, to who? like that. That's my only goal in life. Maybe I guess maybe to me. Maybe to you, it's to, realizing it to that you? maybe that is a yeah superficial goal to me. I don't know. But is it a superficial goal to you? No, because it means more than that. It, it's okay. it's it's looking fit, but it's having energy, and it's okay. um, it it is having a um, you know, it's like I hate that buzzword, but mind, body, spirit. It, it's more than that. It's who you are on the inside, and all of that shines through in, in who you are. So it is more than just looking fit and killing yourself exercising. Is the desire, if you just wanted to look fit, is that vain? Maybe so. According to well, you. but but actually not because I think being fit and eating healthy is very is a very kind thing to do to yourself and for yourself. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's more than that. It, it's a mm-hmm. kind thing to do to yourself. I think I should say that. Okay. So I think there's no, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I just think when we have, when we have these, these thoughts and the fact that you said that word a couple of times, it means there's something there, right? There's something mm-hmm. there about this idea of vanity. And it's very, very common where there we place judgment around our goals. And this is an okay goal for me to have. And this is not an okay goal for me to have. And people have told you in your life that like, that's a vain thing to want. That's not a vain thing. It's okay to want to have more energy, but it's not okay to want to have deltoids. It's okay to like, you know, want to drop your A1C, but it's not okay to get a six pack, right? There's been people have told you that like, this is an okay, this is an appropriate goal for you to have. And this is not an appropriate goal for you to have. And there's, Mm -hmm. sounds like there's been some internalization about that. And that can create some judgment of ourselves around the goals that we set. And if on some deep level, you believe that your goal is vain, do you think you will ever achieve it? No, no, because we create, we make choices based on the desired identity we want to hold. So if you believe that it is vain, and I'm talking about subconsciously, if you subconsciously believe that it is vain to have a six pack, 
the choices you make, you will not make choices that align with that identity because you don't want to be that identity. You don't want to be vain. So then you will sabotage yourself from achieving that because it does not fit the desired identity that you want to achieve. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's why it's so important to, to get to the root of what do I actually think about my goals? Because if on some level they don't sit with you and there's some judgment Mm -hmm. about them, you will self-sabotage and you won't be able to reach them. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's one thing. I'm curious. Okay. Cause what I, what I wrote down, what you said is that you want to look like you exercise. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, for the people who are here in the chat, put a one in the comments. If you think Laura looks like she exercises <laughs> and for those of you who are on the replay and you can't see the chat, the chat is now flooded with ones. What does that tell you? That I maybe look healthy and fit. (laughs) So that question that I asked you of like, it's vain according to who Mm. we could ask the same question here. It looks, you look like you exercise according to who. Mm. Right. Cause if it's according to other people, um, you're done. (laughs) So who is it? Who is it according to? guess it should be me but maybe I do more comparison than I think and so maybe it's according to what I am assuming other people are thinking maybe how do you know what other people are thinking (laughs) that's a good question I guess I don't you don't you just made up some like thoughts like, right. Like, and that's one of the reasons that I asked everybody who was on here um, is because if I had asked you, do you feel like people think you look like you're exercised? My guess is you would have said no, but you couldn't read the thoughts of everybody who was on this call who was like, yeah, she right. looks like she exercised, mm-hmm. right? Like you couldn't read their mm-hmm. thoughts. You know what they were thinking. Right. But we do that all the time where we tell ourselves that we can read minds, mm-hmm. that we know what someone else is thinking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But in reality, we can't. Hmm. What's coming up for you? You're thinking right um, now. I can tell. <laughs> I was just thinking I needed to make another soundtrack in my in mm-hmm. my head of what I'm saying to myself. Yeah. Um, what does that soundtrack sound like right now? Hmm. Um. Maybe that I am enough, you know? Mm. How does it feel to say that? Mm. It feels um, kind. <laughs> mm. It's also true. Mm. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, we're not done. <laughs> we still have more stuff. But but you're starting to see, we, we do this a lot, right? It's like, help me with my why, help me with the buffering. And where all of this is coming from is, is this stuff, like what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
because when we can, when we can uncover this stuff that has always been there, just kind of been hidden, it's been a simmering pot. <laughs> um, and we can kind of start to let it go, open it up, investigate it and, and move forward. And things can start to shift and change. Are you in a, you're in a cut right now, right? That's what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I haven't been sticking with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever intentionally ate at maintenance? <sighs> okay. I'm going to be really honest. Yeah. <laughs> I've never really tracked. Like yeah. I've always kind of, I think I've always been at maintenance. And so, um, like I wanted to do the macros and count because I wanted to look better and I wanted yeah. to be more fit and I wanted to lose some fat. Okay. So, so here's um, my rec- here's So my I feel like I've always been in maintenance, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, Cause I yeah, don't track I it anyway. Yeah. So, and, and that's great. Um, however, there is a lot of value in being an intentional maintenance that you know how many calories you're eating. Okay. Okay. It's, I'm like, that's great. I'm happy that you haven't been constantly like in a deficit for your entire life, but, um, it's very different in like eating as much as possible while maintaining weight and knowing how much that is and being able to spend that time intentionally doing that. Um, the reason I say that is because one of the, one of, um, one of the things that we often label as self-sabotage, uh, binging or, like you said, buffering with food, emotional eating, stress eating, struggling over the weekends. Um, sometimes there can be a root cause of that self-sabotage that, that is deep and that we can work through with coaching. Sometimes it's just that you're not eating enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we sit here and we're like, oh, let's go through this coaching. And at the end of the day, it's like, no, 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 you just need to eat some more. <laughs> you wouldn't have this buffering problem if you were eating more food. You wouldn't have this binging problem if we increase the number of calories. So I totally get like wanting to go through a cut. I think what would be very beneficial for you would be to start a reverse right now and see how high we can get your calories while maintaining. And then once you've identified that going into an appropriate cut, because what I, what I think is going to happen, how many calories are you eating right now? Um, around 2000. Okay. So that's, is that your goal? Or is that how many you're eating? No, my goal is 1,600. Great. Okay. This is my point. Okay. So the goal is 1,600, but we're really eating around 2,000. My guess mm-hmm. is that we could get that even higher. I don't know, 2,400. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. And 2,500. I don't know. I don't know how high we could get you. And you could maintain where you're at right now. And then once we have that established, now you can create an appropriate deficit. 2000 might be a deficit for you, Mm -hmm. right? Once we figure out, oh, your maintenance, your highest maintenance is 2,600. Well, now your friend, you're cutting at 2,200. You're eating 200 calories intentionally more than you are accidentally consuming now. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of value for you in seeing that top peak and then taking an appropriate deficit from there rather than trying to eat 1,600 calories and failing because... My, my opinion, and we'll see how you respond to this, but my opinion is that you're, it's probably just because you're not eating enough. And so that's creating the buffering and guess what? Like the buffering, um, might go away as you start eating Mm -hmm. more food and you start fueling Mm -hmm. your body and not creating that restriction. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that would be my recommendation. Start a reverse. Let's get your calories up. Let's see how high we can get you while maintaining. And then if you want to, sure, we can create a deficit from there. What are you doing with your um, workouts right now? I do um, a mega reformer Pilates three Mm -hmm. or four days a week. I run a couple days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, I do some, um, it's some, some weight training two or three days a week. Um, it's, it's weights in my home, but I'm trying to progress. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I walk every day, (laughs) at least a mile. So I get in like over 10,000 steps every day. Okay. Okay. Um, I can tell just by looking at you that you're an exomorph. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about what that means? I have looked it up, but I, yeah. Okay. Episode 45. I talk about it, um, about the different body types. Um, if you, did you listen, have you listened to the free class that I've been promoting this week? That's going to be a really good thing for you to listen to. I've listened to three fourths of it. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I talk a little bit about body types in that class as well. Um, but my guess is that you're an ectomorph. Um, I have zero information about your friend, but a lot of times what happens is like ectomorphs compare themselves to like mesomorphs or endomorphs. And then they wonder why they like don't look the same. And it's like, you have completely different bodies and you have completely different needs in terms of cardio and weights and food actually as well. Um, and so understanding that a little bit more about yourself is might shed a lot of light into why you feel like you're working so hard and not actually seeing much of a change um, because as an ectomorph, you typically need a lot less cardio, a lot more food, and a lot more lifting in order mm. to stimulate the body to create change. Um, and so if you're doing a lot of cardio, that's working against building muscle. If you're not eating food, that's working against building muscle. And so you can be going through the motions, you can be doing all the things, but if you're doing all the wrong things, it's like your body, I, I said it this week on the a podcast, your body doesn't build muscle just for funsies. Like it builds muscle in response to a stimulus. And mm-hmm. so you guys can do the exact same workouts. If you're an ectomorph and she's a mesomorph or she's an endomorph and get vastly different results with your body simply because your body types respond differently to cardio. It responds differently to food. It responds differently to weight training. Mm-hmm. And so I think just helping yourself to understand that a little bit more can help you to maybe connect some light bulbs of like, oh, maybe like, maybe it's not that I, that I need to do more or that I need to work out harder. It's that I need to make sure I'm training for my body type. Mm-hmm. And for you, that may be pulling down cardio and it may mean focusing more on progressive overload um, and eating more like we already have you doing. Okay. That sounds good. What questions do you still have? Anything coming up for you? Um, I feel like a lot of times with me, less is more, like less Mm -hmm. information is more like over, um, like overloading on. So, um, here's, um, here's my recommendation. Well, here's my recommendation too. And this is actually, I haven't said this yet, but, um, this is my recommendation for anybody who gets a hot seat. My recommendation is for you to re-listen to this. Okay. Okay one or two times even. And, and for a couple of reasons, one, when you're in the moment, there's nerves, you're like trying to like think on the spot and like, 
you can't always like take in everything that's being said. So that's reason number mm-hmm. one. Reason number two is just the more you hear something, you're going to pull different. Oh, I didn't even hear her say that last time. <laughs> I like listen mm-hmm. to this. You pull out like a slightly different thing. So I do recommend if you ever get a hot seat, you guys is to make sure that you re-listen to that hot seat a couple of times after the fact, go back and re-listen to the replay um, because you'll hear different things in it than you did when we were here live. Okay. And, and you're right. Less is going to be more. We don't need to overload you. This is not about giving you more information. This is about, okay, let's take these powerful moments and these powerful experiences and ahas that you had today and start applying them, right? Because the mm-hmm. application is where things start to change. Okay. So saying that, what is something that you are going to apply from what you learned here moving forward? Um, I think I'm going to look at um, like, trying to hit my macros and um, maybe eating more in my three meals that I'm eating Mm -hmm. uh, with the protein so that I'm not buffering as much in in the evenings. And you're going to start at 2000 calories. Yes. And right. And I'm going to start at. We're um, not starting at 1600, right? Same thing I was talking about Nicole, because you're not eating 1600, you're eating 2000. So we're starting your reverse at 2000 and then we're moving to 2100, right? We're moving up from there. Right. So I'm going to start at 2000 calories and I'm going to be better about tracking it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And here's the thing now with tracking it. Now let's pretend you do go over on one day. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember what I told Nicole is like you take the average of what you actually ate and then you add from there. Okay. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if so again, there's this tendency, and and we talked about it with Nicole, but it I can see it playing out here where it's like, oh, but I like overate one day, so I have to have another week of just eating at 2,000 calories. Right. No, no. Average what you actually ate and then add from there. Like the goal is to get you out of a deficit, not for you to stay in the deficit longer. It's to get up out of it. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I'm working on my soundtrack. Yes. That I'm, that I'm enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a really powerful affirmation for you to work on. Saying that in the mirror out loud 10 times in the morning and 10 Mm -hmm. times in the evening and start to see it's going to feel super awkward, super weird, but start to you. If you do that, you will start to notice a difference. It will, it will seep into your subconscious. It will seep into the way that you see yourself. It will seep into the actions that you start to take because when we start to work from that desired identity, our action change. Remember I talked about the desired, like the unwanted identity of being vain prevented you from doing the things that you thought would make you vain. Mm-hmm. When we have the wanted identity of I am enough and we can, we make choices now from that wanted identity, you make different and new and better choices. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. Really proud of you, Laura. That was good. Mm. I hope you paid attention during that. I, I think the, I think you could actually listen to that episode, uh, and I encourage you to actually listen to the episode. Listen to it once to learn from the coaching, 
and then listen to it once to listen to the coaching, to listen to the way that I'm coaching, right? Because you can you can be there with Laura and be learning from the coaching that I'm giving, but then it's it, you're going to hear things differently when you start listening and asking yourself a question like, how is Amber coaching? What what how is she like formulating this? What does the coaching look like from a coaching standpoint? So it's like kind of listening to the episode from a client standpoint and then from a coach's standpoint. Something to do if you you are a coach. But if you are a coach or if you're looking to become one and you're wanting to learn how to dig deep and to not just answer the surface level questions that your clients are giving you, but actually create long-term transformation in your clients, I invite you to come to our free class on May 31st. It's called Make Money, Change Lives, Become a Transformational Coach. And you can register for that class at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash become a coach. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hey, friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And, you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.